It's the Opix Podcast, baby. Glad you tuned in. Got your host, thank me later, and you're stupid to win. Might become an obsession as soon as you begin. Start out king of the street, then lock it iconic in. Welcome to Offland. Grab your Opix, man. On your way in the door, hit you with four grand. Get to buying and gripping, then to selling and flipping. Over to moving and shocking. I'm Scrooge McDuckin' in Hello, Uplanders, to another exciting episode of the Upix Podcast. I am your host, Too Stupid to Win. First episode of the week, so that means I will be joined here shortly by T. Davis and B. Dag. They'll give you all the information that you want and need to know. Don't forget, if you haven't listened... Last week, we had another special edition. We had Joel and Travis from the Bad Crypto Podcast on talking about the collaboration between Blockchain Heroes and Upland that will be launching March 30th. If you have not listened to that episode, go check that out. It's called the Bad Upex Podcast. Um, Hopefully, a lot of you weren't confused thinking you just shouldn't listen to it because it was bad. Hopefully, most of you caught the play on words there. Also, you have the weekly episode with myself and Thank Me Later. We covered the Brooklyn Burn, our thoughts about that. Definitely make sure you check that out. Uh, Before we jump into this episode, as always, give you the disclaimer that the views, information, and opinions expressed on the Upix podcast are solely those of myself, Thank Me Later, T. Davis, B-Dag, and any guests of the podcast, and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Upland Me, Inc., We are not employed by or provided insider information from the Upland team. All discussions about properties to buy and sell are not financial advice. Please do your own research first. We do have an exciting episode for uh, the listeners from the guys today. We have the Sandbox finale. Pretty exciting episode. And wow, uh, one neighborhood really ran away with it. Unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you pretty much know which neighborhood that was. We have the Brooklyn Burn. You'll get uh, T. Davis and B. Dag's thoughts and opinions on and insights on what they thought of the whole Brooklyn fiasco. And they'll follow up with the Brooklyn do-over coming out this week, what to look for and their thoughts on that. And as always, they'll give you the numbers for Brooklyn, Manhattan, Fresno, Clovis, and the most anticipated scouting report that everybody really seems to enjoy. So without further ado, I'll kick it off to the fellas. Hey, to you, Davis, b Dak. Live from Little Italy, it is T. Davis and b Dag with the New York Minute. I can't even call it the New York Minute anymore. We got to dub your guys' weekly podcast, so we'll work on that coming up. Thank you, Too Stupid, and welcome listeners to the UPX podcast featuring T. Davis, myself, and B-Dag. How you doing today, B-Dag? Hey, T. Davis. I'm well, I'm doing okay. How are you? Good, man. You know, we had a somewhat rough uh, week since the last podcast, yeah. but um, I'm feeling a lot better uh, about things just in general, and I've got some wins in Upland and outside of Upland, so overall... Um, I'm doing pretty good and and uh, good. able to put a lot of that behind behind yeah. me. How about yourself? Well, we'll get into it a little more. Talk about the Brooklyn burn, but I think uh, for me, for a few days, that was kind of the last straw for a bit. I took it a little hard. Um, we'll get into some reasons why in a few minutes, but you know, there's I, I, it's it's hard to say this, but there's more to life than Upland. 
Wait, and when what? things go wrong in the metaverse, you've always got to fall back. I know it's, it's kind of a revolutionary, you know, <laughs> thing to say. People might not like that, but, but uh, yeah, there's, there's some IRL out there. Don't forget about it. Yep. So, all right, well, what do we have going on in Upland uh, right now? I think the, the sandbox finale, right? How's that going? Yeah, we're getting assaulted with one more build challenge. What, what is this now? 27, 28? I'm losing track, man. Uh, they're all cool. They, they're running slightly different mechanics every time, so that's good. We get to see how different things work. Sometimes they'll speed up construction. Sometimes they'll allow us to pay for sped up construction. Uh, they're, this time they got the buildings look a lot better. What do you think? Yeah, I do. I like that they went with uh, neutral colors this time instead of the cartoonish and just kind of ridiculous colors that they had from uh, before. Just, you know, they had the wild blues and pinks and just colors that did not represent a building at all. Yeah, and the, and the features are much sharper, too. Everything, like you said, was kind of cartoony before. There's sharper lines now and and a little more defined features and it really starting to look good compared to the images in the AMA. It's still not final. And they said that uh, in their announcements, but yeah, they're looking a lot better. I can't wait to see the finished products. And um, the Woodward park group, which we'll talk about a little later, but man, this was not a challenge from <laughs> pretty much the, the starter pistol, man, they took off and never looked back. What, what's the score now? Let me, let me That's right. So, yeah, let's give a little background on this. The idea of this sandbox finale was not player against player or, or necessarily, you know, one hood against nine others and everybody trying to compete. No, this is just all out build, man, just build. And every neighborhood was eligible. Well, you and I kind of got behind the idea that, shoot, Woodward Park probably has the most properties, probably has the most players rather than push Little Italy which is pretty tiny and, you know, not going to be able to amass a whole lot of points. Uh, definitely we should push Woodward park where the most amount of players have the opportunity to get something. And really before we could even throw our own hat in that ring, it took off. Right. Yeah. So we certainly didn't lead the charge on that, but we certainly did get behind that push. Um, it's, it's nuts. I mean, I, I was thinking, well, what have the scores been in the last competitions? I don't think we've broken 3,000 or you're well, definitely not four, and, right? And yeah, what did you finish with in uh, Detente? Oh, gosh, that's right. That was player PvP. Um, I what feel was it? like your score was 2,700. Was it that high? Oh, no, no, no. If I, that's right. Higher. We With all those last last trades, we broke four or five or six. We were somewhere up in there. Thousand. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, in Panhandle, I feel like it was a very close uh, win. Yes, it was much slower build times, and so you weren't able to amass the points as quickly. But Panhandle came out with, uh, I don't think those scores got above 2,000. I don't think so. And it's been incredible how, I mean, it's a, it's a 45 thousand point lead yeah right now right Forty-five so we're looking at 65 points we're looking at woodward park in the lead with sixty-eight thousand <laughs> points my gosh i had no clue it's gonna get this high 
Right. And and the top ratings I'll read like high school football. Woodward Park versus West Clovis. South Clovis versus West Fresno and McLean versus North Clovis. It's going to be a heck of a Friday night, folks. Yeah, it sure does. Well, you know, West Clo- West and, and South Clovis, um, they're, they're actually pretty close. And I know that they have little communities that they set up. Uh, right. And they've, you know, good for them for, for sticking it out through this slaughter because i can tell that they they're continuing to build there and not just throwing in the towel so i admire that and, they're a uh, solid second and third that's for sure Twenty one thousand for south clovis and west yeah. fresno is the next highest with only sixteen thousand. and mind you this is not just fresno i mean it looks like it but the cool thing about this competition is it's rebuild california so apparently we had a big metaverse earthquake or something like that <laughs> and i i like that it includes fresno and San Francisco, because this is a good opportunity for everybody to build, you know, the old guards that maybe didn't care about Fresno and they've still got their San Francisco properties versus the new kids on the block who never got a chance to get into San Francisco with all their Fresno properties. In fact, looking down this list here, what are we at? Number 15 Pacific Heights is the first San Francisco neighborhood on the list. Number 15. I'm pretty sure Sunnyside is the Fresno sunny side, not the San Francisco sunny side at number eight. But even after that, in number 15, Pacific Heights, scroll and scroll and see 19 is outer sunset. Uh, then it starts to get to be a little more San Francisco after that. But out of the top 20 positions, only two of those are uh, are San Francisco and the rest is all Fresno. Yeah. And how was little Italy doing? Uh, uh, we weren't even on the map at first. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you what, as, as the most property player still in little Italy, Fresno, um, I, di- I didn't have time this weekend to get into the competition. So Friday noon, I set my properties up for Woodward Park to get my, my what was it, 100 and, no, how, how, 50 points. 50, That's it. right, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to get my 50 points to qualify for whatever thing it was they were giving away. And I, I was just going to set them on slow burn for the weekend. But holy cow, you can't slow burn anything here because the build times are so accelerated. Yeah. It's and those things popped in a couple hours, so. Uh, I built a few more here and there, and then I thought, ah, why not build out Little Italy? So I started building up a bunch of my props there, and I've got—I uh, think I've got 16 apartment buildings that are all going to pop uh, before the contest is over. So we didn't even really start on the map with our stuff, but now we're up at number 33, and the competition starts to get pretty stiff uh, around number 13. So I think we've got—let's see—if I've got 15. At 48, that means I'm going to add another 600 points or something like that, uh, 700. Yep, and if you take and, a look at the TD compound, you'll notice that there are five apartment buildings under construction at the moment. So those... Yep, and there's a lot of other grayed-out buildings going on too. So there's a whole lot of other things going on. We might break top 20, and, and really that's nothing more than just us being able to say, eh, not only did we help out Woodward Park, but look, uh, look at what else we did on the side as a team. Yeah, that's awesome. So we got that going for us, you know? Yeah, we do. All right. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the Brooklyn burn and what happened, how Upland responded to it, and what yeah. concessions are being made. I you go first. I don't I still don't really want to talk about it. Okay, well, so I I, I know that it may sound, uh, I don't know what the word would be. So I saw this, I saw this coming there. Sure. There are, are DM conversations that I've had with 
the veteran players in the community. And it was like up until the night before I had, you know, just made a cynical comment about what to expect in the morning. But here's how, you know, it's nothing against, it's nothing against Upland that specifically that made me see this coming. It's the NFT space in general. I've been in, in lots of drops, NFT drops. And so for anybody listening who doesn't know what I'm talking about, there are, um, an NFT projects that, release their product at a certain time and date and time and can we can we back up just a second more sure, nft yeah. stands for non-fungible token and basically it's a digital asset that is very unique that you own that sits on the blockchain uh, you can never lose it you can't dog ear that that baseball card etc cetera, etc cetera. which is a great analogy uh if you just think of them in the in the regard of a digital trading card. Like we know, we all know that right now that NBA top shot, it's probably the biggest NFT project as far as, um, you know, dollar figures that they're, that they're bringing in, you know, Forbes did a couple articles in the same week on them. Like that's how popular it's getting. And if you think of it in that regard, that it's nothing more than a digital trading card that is verifiable, verifiably, rare and you can prove the ownership of it then you'll be fine just looking at it like that it's so many more so so much more than that you know nfts can be you know the king kings of leon the band released an album this last week on the uh, ethereum blockchain and and in an nft so they had a drop where you would you know show up at a certain time and wait for the timer to click down and then you get a buy button. And when you click that buy button, everybody's clicking that button at the same time. Probably multiple times even. Right. And Uh, with multiple screens or, or tabs going. Exactly. And, and bot don't, you know, botting and. Oh yeah, sure. The servers can't handle it. Uh, A lot of the time the blockchain is not really, it's still so young that there are, uh, you know, there's the technology hasn't, you know, what they call Web 3.0, which is what we're what we're doing here in Upland and the EOS blockchain and all of these decentralized applications is what's considered to be, you know, as a whole Web 3.0. And mm-hmm. it just hasn't caught up to 2.0 yet. And the failures that you would experience if you were a small Web 2.0 project and you suddenly got really popular and you started having bandwidth issues and, and server issues. Well, you can like, there's a thousand articles and, and tons of, of resources available to you on how to fix those issues. But companies like Dapper who, who does top shot, like they're, they're blazing the trail here. And even Upland with, with the OS chain, like they're, they're, going through this for the first time to set the example for those that come after them, but serious growing pains. Yeah, exactly. exactly but if they can yeah. get it all worked out, that helps, uh, that helps not only them, but the others coming behind. Like right. you said. And I, so since I had been in all of these drops prior to Upland that had been disasters, 
I, I just, I, I sensed it coming and yeah. you know, we've been in the city, all of the city releases prior to this, you know, the only one that mm-hmm. I hadn't been a part of is, is, San, is the original San Francisco. That was super early. Yeah. And you, yeah, you would have had to been in Upland back in December of 2019. OG. Right, yeah. right, right. And so the way I recall every, every city release, it go, you know, something, something happens and then they fix it. Like it, it's, I don't know that they've had any flawless executions. I mean, maybe Clovis was okay. And I feel like maybe Fresno when they did Fulton street and, like I, I feel like that those were fine, but um, th- there's always been something okay. on, on the release, right? It's right. either been, you know, you can't click anything, or there was just a back end error, like the train terminals in Fresno. Like it's it's always been something, and I just you know being cynical, I I made that comment, but deep down, I I just believed that there was going to be a bandwidth server issue, and that's right. exactly what we saw. And they couldn't get they couldn't get their way out of it. So, do you know exactly what had caused the the lockup and the technical well, I still, issues? I still don't fully understand all this stuff. I I was a huge tech guy in high school and college, but I'm going to date myself and say that that was with uh, that was when Pentium started coming out that I started lagging. Okay, so it's been a while, um, and and HTML kind of pushes the extent of any programming I can do. So I don't fully, I mean, I've got a context kind of, but I don't fully wrap my head around this. Basically what they said is they've got a third party, third party logging tool that was getting backed up and causing timeout. So what that seems to say to me is that they've got a tool on their website that is keeping track of all these transactions that are going through and in order to not blow up the blockchain by overloading it, it's feeding these transactions to the blockchain. Uh, it's, it's feeding the backlog in. And I've noticed this before when, when things get pretty heavy with minting, usually if it's a, if it's a normal, normal day in Upland, you go to mint a property and you get a, a notification within about three minutes that it's yours. But when it's heavy minting, I remember like Fresno, it was up to half hour before I was getting these notifications. So I think what was happening is all these mintings were stacking in the logging tool. And maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe the logging tool is just keeping track and not holding anything. But I think what's happening is is something is holding and feeding these transactions to the blockchain at a more regular drip. And that just got too bogged down. Yep. That's what and in I, fact, what would happen is you would go to put your request in with the minting and it would just sit there and sit there and sit there. And it's got a built-in timeout so that it doesn't lag forever. And after that timeout, it would just say, sorry, except it wouldn't say, sorry, it would just do nothing. So you had no idea what was going on. Right. And so we had those problems and they tried to pause it and fix it, pause it and fix it and then eventually had to just say we can't do this we need to pause indefinitely and take a look at it and at that point uh that's when i you know the community was pretty upset um there were a lot of reasons to be upset i mean personally i was just frustrated because like i said you know i i 
I'm not a blockchain developer, nor am I running a startup, but I had the, you know, I guess foresight to, to predict. And I, maybe this isn't being very fair, fair to them. Right. Cause I don't know what's going on in sure. the background, but it seems to me, especially after the meeting that we had about it, I feel like they should have been paying more attention to the space around them and what other projects were were doing with the problems that they were having and how they were solving them, which uh, a huge credit goes to Recurrier. If you guys know Recurrier, he had made some... I, I feel like the majority of the um, suggestions came from his feedback on how to address it. Like the, uh, the stress testing was his suggestion and a couple others. I can't remember off the top of my head. So shout, huge shout out to Recurrier for, uh, you know, bringing that knowledge to, you know, the, the team about how, you know, just giving them ideas on how they can, go about fixing some of these problems that they're having. And what did you think of the stress tests? Yeah, he was, he's one sharp dude. Recurrier is, um, I, I don't know. I, I'm probably pretty biased on it because I was still pretty frustrated with the whole experience. So at the time I was like, screw them and their stress tests. I, in fact, in fact, I hope nobody participates in the stress test because and, and this isn't all malicious, but, you know, I hope, I hope nobody participates in the stress test because then it's going to give them false numbers and they're still not going to have what they need. And they'll realize how, how inadequate the whole system is. Now I know that sounds kind of bad, but you know, the, the worse, the more times you screw something up, if you're honestly trying to make it better, the better you're going to make it. I feel, you know, it just, if it just gets worse and worse these guys aren't going to throw in the towel. They're going to really hunker down and try to make sure it is working. So I guess that's where I'm coming from with that statement. I just, I wanted things, I wanted to make so certain that everything was going to work when they said it was going to work. That's, that's where I was coming from with that. Um, I, yeah, and, and even the stress test, I was still frustrated because I still was having issues on my end, um, getting spinning wheels and blank screens. And I just, yeah, the whole thing was just, frustrating to me and i was about ready to rage quit <laughs> yeah i don't you know i i, I don't blame you um but between glad- the between the initial failed minting which lasted 45 minutes and both stress tests i ended up with one property yeah i can't say that i've got much more i w- was able to mint the one property that i had wanted from back in september and it sounds silly but I wanted 560 State Street because I'm a Jay-Z fan and <laughs> yeah. it's not a collection property and it's 100K. And so it seems silly, wow. pretty silly to make that on the Brooklyn debut, your number one objective. But, you know, it, it worked well for me the last time a New York City opened it for the first time and I went and grabbed the um, Ravenite the old oh yeah uh gotti hangout and so right. mafia club yeah i'm hoping that my my luck continues with that but being that we know collections it couldn't possibly work out as well and besides that man i got uh 
I think I got a Flatbush Ave that I have listed for Fiat, but I haven't had any takers, which it's funny. They, you know, I don't think we put that in their notes, but that's another thing that happened. Uh, they've added, I think it was 370 maybe. Right. New players yep. to Fiat out. And um, I have this Flatbush Ave listed for a considerable markup. So I'm not like necessarily shocked that it hasn't gone, but we'll get into these Brooklyn prices maybe here yeah, in a little okay. bit when we talk about the do over, but um, man, they're there. The, the scarcity and the supply demand issue that all of this caused is concerning to say the least. What do you, what do you think about it? Oh yeah. Well, it's all fascinating from an economic standpoint, but Seeing since I joined, seeing the game at an entire factor worth of players. I mean, it's beyond ten grand. Uh, yeah, ten grand now of players, and properties are just going faster and faster. You know, Clovis pretty well sold out in what a day or two. Yeah. Which you know, Brooklyn. What was Brooklyn? Two hundred some thousand properties. Well, with all these players now, I, it ain't gonna last months and months. And these guys need to start pushing out properties much quicker. I also am you know i gotta step back i i I could spend the whole episode ranting but i kind of let the steam off this week so so i think i i can rein it all in the way they're releasing these properties the way they did the stress tests is forcing a scarcity by making only a few properties available at a time and of course everybody wants them so everybody's running to them which of course makes sense for a stress test that's what you want to do but as we get into the do-over uh, talking about how that's going to go, just, you know, it's creating more false demand by artificially lowering the supply. And uh, I think I think from a player's perspective, if they want to have happy players, then the better thing to do would be to open multiple cities at a time across, at least if not across the U.S., uh, across the globe, across the U.S. or something, somewhere where you can't, easily go back and forth between a couple of cities and, and mint to your heart's content. Right. I would agree with that. And I feel like the, so first just, I'll come right out and say it. The, the prices that are being paid for collection and non-collection properties in Brooklyn right now, it's absurd. It's. Oh Yeah. We'll it's insane. Yeah. It's stupid. It's what it is. That's just stupid. <laughs> like, what are you? You ain't from Brooklyn. Nobody pays those prices. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I'm going to take a look here just because I happen to be just clicking around in Brooklyn and I'm going to take a look at a, so our number one, it will get into all of them, but just for example here, I want to take a look. So our number one sale was a Fulton street. Uh, property that minted for 10,000 Upix and it sold for 250,000 Upix. So that's Jeez. a 25X. That's a 2,437% markup. And that, it, I, I don't know that, that, that you'll ever, you'll ever get that back out of that, uh, out of that property. Now, what are you doing, huh? I don't think that if you were to list that right now for one Alpix more, I mean, may, maybe, 
maybe somebody would buy it between now and Tuesday. But once they release all of Brooklyn, I, I feel like it's going. the bottom is going to completely fall out of this resale market. So yeah, for anybody for sure. listing properties right now at these prices, I, I you know, good for them, I guess, and, and get what you can. And for everybody else, don't freaking buy nothing. Right. Wait, wait to mint it. There's more to come. And Jeez. Then, and then come Tuesday afternoon or, or Wednesday morning, I would say, you know, I would say, look at the market and see what it's doing. Uh, there are some great tools out there, uh, Upix World and Upland Data, or you can go straight to blocks.io uh, and take a look at the Play Upland Me account. All one word, Play Upland Me. Uh, if you're a coder, that is, it's going to be yeah. probably a bit technical. <clears throat> but look at look at the data, look what's going on, because I feel like what's going to happen is a lot of collection properties will get minted and they'll yep. be listed for these same exorbitant prices, but there won't be buyers this time because everybody who wants one is pretty likely to get one. Not, not with all collections. Like no, I, I foresee, you know, Dumbo has a minimal amount, I believe, right. Compared to the Dumbo's going to be, yeah. Oh, as far as properties. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of limited, which, which partly leads to its rare status. Uh, Bay Parkway is also a rare, but I think there's a few more properties along there. Um, yeah. Once all this stuff gets released, then, then, then the supply and demand can shake out a little bit and we'll get a little better price discovery. But right now it's just freaking insane. Oh, look, Barbie's got a new hat. I'll pay you a million dollars for that. Well, dude, wait a month. Right, right. So they announced, they did announce today, finally, before our, uh, our show started not, not too um, long ago, that the the do-over is scheduled for 9 a.m. Pacific. Is, yep. that, is that right? We That's right. Check this? All right. I didn't realize that. There was an official time, so 9 a.m. Pacific. I live in Pacific, so I got to make sure that I'm up on time. 9 a.m. is just brutal for me, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's not too bad for me in Central. It would be uh, early afternoon. and so Yeah, that'll be okay. Now, I didn't – did you read the announcement, the full announcement? Can you explain it to our listeners? Because I I'm did, not, and I okay. read through it a couple of times, and, and – the specifics I don't think are fully clear, but basically here's what they're going to do. All right. At nine o'clock, no guarantee properties are going to be released. Okay. 9am is just when they're going to start this whole process. So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to monitor platform stability and make sure that they're good to proceed because the last thing they want to do is just drop all the properties open at 9am and have everything fall to pieces again. So they're going to be doing some monitoring of it to make sure it's okay. If they feel it's good, they'll give a five minutes heads up. And of course, everybody's going to be glued to the announcements channel of Upland uh, in, in Discord. They're going to give a five minutes head up, heads up before they release non-collection and Brooklyn standard collection properties. The standards are those real low ones. So that's so like Bushwick and Crown Heights are the right. two. Right, yep. Uh, but there are some Bushwick that are also Broadways. So I guarantee those Broadways will not be available within Bushwick. So don't go, don't go crying that you can't get those Bushwicks because they're Broadways. Those aren't standards. Okay. If that goes well, 
they'll keep an eye on everything. And if it's looking good, then they'll release the limited collections after another five minute heads up. So the first time I read through this, I'm thinking, oh, every five minutes, they're going to release another tier of collections, <laughs> but not necessarily. It could be a half hour. It could be five minutes. It could be all day before they finally decide it's time to release the next collection. So those of you who are going to work on Tuesday, too bad, man. You, you choose one. You choose Upland or you choose work. Right. And I chose Upland. Good for you. I'm, that's what I'm most upset about is the two yeah. days that I burned. But unfortunately yeah, for well, me, I, I get a bunch of those. So That's uh, all right. Stephen Curry has your back. So yeah, um, <laughs> then Stephen. they'll continue to. Uh, yeah, him too. They'll continue to do this process throughout, I guess, however long it takes. If everything's looking good, then they will give another five minute heads up and go into the next tier of collections and on and on. Well, okay, so here's the other thing, and, and they're pretty optimistic that this is going to take less than 12 hours. Uh, in fact, they're hoping, I just saw this in the announcement, they're hoping it'll only take 30 minutes between each unlocking stage. Okay. And I'm kind of hoping it'll take even less time because then we can just keep flooding the, the, the market with more properties to mint and, and we'll get more happier players who are able to actually get what they wanted. Plus, plus the quicker the properties become available to mint, then uh, the quicker we'll have the supply and demand uh, settle out and, and get better price discovery quicker. All right. So that's what they're doing at 9 a.m. But here's the catch. Just like last week, only 20% of the properties below 5,000 UPEX are going to be available to, available to mint and half of the properties above 5,000 UPEX. So this is a little bit of the catch. And, and if you think through all the numbers, it kind of makes sense. Okay, they're going to release the non-collection properties. That's probably the biggest amount of properties, but they're only releasing 20% of those that are under 5,000 UPEX, which for Brooklyn is quite a bit. It's a mid-tier, so there's a lot of good cheap properties between one and 5,000. So really what you're going to end up with is you're going to be floating around Brooklyn looking for non-collection properties going, why aren't these turning light green? And this was part of my frustration with the stress test. Okay, we released some properties. Right. You can't find right. anything because on the map, you cannot see the difference between a locked and an unlocked minted property. So I guess it's just going to be luck of the draw. And I'm going to make sure that I have my coffee and I'm well settled in and relaxed because uh, I fully expect to be frustrated and you should too. Well, because the, wor the worse you expect it to be, the, the more pleasantly surprised you'll be. That's a good, that's a good outlook. And my advice just to anybody w with it, the locked versus unlocked set your set your explorer on a path where it's going to cover a lot of properties right that's right and so when it's time to unlock you'll have a huge trail that's going straight through a, a good percentage of unminted properties that will likely light up green and you know if you time things right and, and you position your Explorer in the right way by, you know, there, there's lots to jump to now um, or, or jump right. from. So there should be no reason why if you want a particular parcel or uh, area that you can't get yourself set up to be in that area when things go live 
and then visually inspect where the neon green is at. Yeah, that's right. And out of the 270,000 properties in Brooklyn, how many do you think are minted so far? 19,700 and... Wow, that's pretty specific. Okay, so <laughs> good job. Essentially, what that means is there's a lot of options right now to go jump to in anticipation of properties unlocking. I was, so it, no lie, that was a guess. It's 19. Are you freaking serious? <laughs> yeah, man. It's 19. You're saying 19.7. You seriously weren't looking at the screen. I was not. I was. Wow. Not, yeah, wow. You and your crystal ball. All right. So <laughs> if, if all that goes well, they're going to do the exact same thing again at 9 p.m. Pacific, which this is good. Well, I won't say this is good. This is better holistic thinking for the rest of the world. It's it's still going to screw some areas. Like I think Australia is just hosed with those times. Sorry, Ben. Um, <laughs> I think he mentioned that. He said one of them's right in the middle of the workday and the other one's like 2 or 3 a.m. for him. So not so good for Australia. I think it should be pretty good for Central Europe one or more of those times. Uh, I, can't, I just can't think off the top of my head what time 9 a.m. is in Central European time or in UTC. Wait a minute. I'm minus eight UTC. So that means 9 a.m. at eight hours. We're at 5 p.m. Oh, good. Okay. So, so yeah, this is like dinner time and first thing in the morning for Europe. Nine, yeah, 9 a.m. It looks like CET. That's what we said, Central European time. 9 a.m. is 2 a.m. Nine, for, the, for, oh, no, our two. My, no, no, no. 9 a.m. PT. Gotcha. If I'm minus eight from UTC, then 9 a.m. PT is going to be three, brings it to noon. The other five, you're at 5 p.m. So it's going to be 5 p.m. Great Britain. 6 p.m. Central European time. Uh, I don't know if it's a time zone, but up to 7 p.m. Eastern European time. Uh, getting into Russia there. And then same thing with the 9 p.m. release. That's going to be 5, 6, 7 a.m. for Europe. So that's not awful. No, it's not. It's doable. For I sure. I feel like I've gotten up at 7 a.m. for something Upland related in the past. So Fresno, maybe? I don't know. One of them. Yeah, I wasn't happy about it, but I, but I, I, right. I was up. So I, yes, going back, I fully expect to be frustrated at 9 a.m. in the morning because there's, uh, there's going to be some problems. I just know it. I'm going to go to properties. They're going to either get the slow spinny wheel of death or other players with better connections are going to get it before me. However, by 9 p.m., still fully half of the properties are going to be available to be unlocked. So by 9 p.m., hopefully they've got everything ironed out. A lot of players have already gotten what they want and there's going to be less players trying to get in on the second wave to get what they want. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know next week if I'm still playing. How's that? <laughs> I don't abandon me, man. I, it's going to be a Mick for an odd podcast with you on here and you're not playing <laughs> Upland anymore. You and a bunch of dead air. Okay. <laughs> which may or may not be better than we got what right right now. Uh, yeah, anything else we need we want to talk about about this uh, Brooklyn do-over? Well, not so much the, or the burn as much as or the getting on with our lives. I guess let's talk, let's take a look at what since we uh, we're talking a little bit about the numbers, let's take a look yeah. at them. So let me scroll out here. What's the the floor which would be the lowest listed for sale price and surprisingly uh, dropped did it oh yeah look at that 
it's only 6k right yeah that's what i'm seeing here five thousand we're already seeing yeah some of this price discovery trying to come in place i wish we had a way to see properties that sold that's something i love about atomic hub you can see what nfts have sold for but i don't think any of the tools upland certainly doesn't and i don't think any of the tools we use shows what properties sold for so you just kind of got to guess yeah it, i mean that is you available can find it but you got to do a lot of a lot of digging to make it happen. You just can't say, Hey, show me what all the properties on Bay Parkway sold for. Right. Yeah. That, you're right. You're absolutely right. That is a missing tool. Maybe that's something that I will look at. Oh, hey, that'd be awesome. So the floor is fifty nine ninety five, and the mid, well, let's take a look here. So we had in the last week, 1,438 secondary market sales, which is, I feel like that's a lot for the issues, like all, for all the said and done. Thousand six hundred and sixty-two properties that were actually <laughs> able to be minted. Yeah, fourteen fourteen hundred. That's like what eight percent, seven percent. Right. Yeah, and the, that's a lot of movement. The mean, which would be the average, was eight thousand and twenty upics. So that's pretty high. Shocking for us. Well, shockingly low for some of those six digit figures we were seeing listed so maybe maybe most people do have more sense than i think they do and they didn't go for those hugely well, markup properties from, not everybody but most people from a markup percentage right yeah eight thousand upix for a brooklyn property has got to be uh, close to 10x uh, on on average. Nah, that that means that they're they're as low as 800 which it's pretty rare. I feel like a reasonable average Brooklyn property is going to be between a thousand and two thousand. Maybe that's a little high. Yeah, you're right. Now that I'm looking at it, so for the neighborhoods that were released, which were we know that they did. I think Canarsie was one of. The, that's right. Of the stress test neighborhoods, and I feel like if I'm just looking around here, I can see that they've released quite a bit because there's green dots pretty much everywhere yeah but yeah if we're looking at the at, at a 1200 optics maybe average then we're looking at five six x which that's for non-collection properties i'm sorry that's too high it, ju it just is um yeah yeah i guess so but hey you know brooklyn new hat gotta have it and our median was 5,500 upics. So that's the number that's going to fall right in the middle of the data set. And then our mode was 6,000 upics. So that's the price that most people bought a Brooklyn property for. Was I guarantee upics. none of those were Dumbo. They were not Dumbo or none of the collection unless it was an accident. Uh, I would yeah, say sure. with certainty. So that's probably again like four or five x on non collections, and so I feel like that's ridiculous. And I expect these numbers to drop significantly in a couple of weeks. And oh yeah, for sure. We'll have to make sure that we reflect back on that. Or we could both be completely wrong and these properties just maintain their value because they're NFTs and the NFT space is just absolutely nuts. And 
that's that. But you know what's going to be yeah. very interesting is, and we'll, I think we're moving into that next, is Manhattan. And when they do the collection reveals, it's going to be very oh, yeah. interesting to see what happens with Brooklyn. Because if we look at the top five sales in Brooklyn in this last week, the the top property sale was uh, from Travace. Uh, Travis. He, he he explained to me how to pronounce his name, and I still did right. it wrong. So he was one of he was on our scouting report last week, and this week he's our top seller in the Brooklyn market with a two hundred and fifty thousand Upix Fulton Street property sale to Moon Knight eighty eight which was a, like we said earlier, 25 times the mint price. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. That's nuts. Uh, our, our second was, so look, look how interesting this is. So Fulton Street is a limited collection, the purple one. Right. Our, our second highest sale was 33 Flatbush Ave. Uh, the buyer was Flame, who is... Uh, somewhat of a, a tenured player. He bought it off Bogdansky, who minted it for 37,000 Upix, and that was a 4.25x, so 425% markup. Right. And Flatbush Ave is an exclusive. So we went limited collection number one, exclusive at number two for 160K. I don't know if I said that sale price, 160K. Yeah. And then our third highest was at Bay Parkway for 134,000 Upix. Um, me Q1 bought it from EH0405, who minted it for about 27,000 Upix, and that was a 500% markup. But this just goes to show you how. To me, it's it's the perfect an analogy of how backwards these Brooklyn sales are because yeah, you, right. You went, you know, one, two, three. You went limited, exclusive, rare. When that should have easily been flipped in opposite, if you know properties were going to be sold for high prices, I would think that the rares would be at the top, the exclusive, and then the limited but that's been completely flipped because Brooklyn is just nuts. Kind of a whiskey tango foxtrot, huh? Yeah, definitely. And then our number four and five top sales were by the same player on the same street, right next door to each other. 75 Bridge Street and 73 Bridge Street were purchased for the same price, 125,000 Upix by J.C. Stomp bought off the same player speaker brock so speaker brock minted one for uh the first one for 8300 upix the second one for 6800 upix and sold both of them for a grand total of 250,000 upix that's just nuts and 1500% to 1800% markup for and these were non-collection properties and it, it's just it's just mind-boggling it ne neither good nor bad but but seeing something like this would make me want to look a little further and see if these two players have a relationship 
it could be that uh, Speaker Brock gave a referral to J.C. Stomp and this was a way of thanking him. I don't know. Who knows what's going on here? It That's could be completely. Really yeah, it could be completely, uh, completely coincidental. But but seeing this kind of thing, just, you know, it, it would make me poke a little. See what's going on. Sure. Let that be a warning to anybody who's multi-accounting. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are watching you, buddy. We see you. Always. We see what you're doing. I'm not saying these two are doing it. Yeah, not at all. Not. not for those prices. For but sure. yes, we are always watching. Oh, yeah. Illuminati confirmed. So what? after Brooklyn, we roll into Manhattan with no set date on when the collection reveals are coming. I have been waiting for it more so. Like I'm more excited about the collection reveals than I guess anything Brooklyn related, especially now since I got the one property that I've wanted since September of sure. last year. Um, collection reveals are going to, I feel like a, a bold prediction will be, um, will propel Manhattan to be the first sold out city that will be like officially sold out. And you'll never see another unminted property in again. Right. I, you know, it's not going to be, this isn't going to happen next week and it's not going to happen at the collection reveal, but I feel like this collection reveal will put it on that path to, to achieve that because, you know, in, in Fresno and Clovis, they're technically, you know, sold out, but you have the visitors there who's, who let their visas expire after seven days and the properties that they hold get released back into the wild and they right. reappear on the map unminted. Well, that's not going to happen in Manhattan. In fact, I would be I would be surprised to hear that a visitor even owns a property right now. Like I know they have in the past, but I, I think say, statistically you'd have to think there's always at least maybe five visitor-owned properties, but I wouldn't go much higher than that. And they're just yeah, and they're clicking the button over and over right. and over and and will do for months. But um, maybe one of our data data hounds can let us know are there any visitor owned properties in manhattan i'd be curious to know that but being that there likely isn't and if they are there are they're dedicated to staying you know to hitting that button every week i, I think we're gonna see new york you know hit that milestone before yeah before san francisco which will be great um the collection reveals are are coming. We have neighborhoods that sold out since we last talked about them. And oh, yeah. We have neighborhoods like Inwood, I, I just found out, has two unminted properties left in it, too. Yeah, one of them's a little F, well, not little, but one of them's an FSA, and the other one is a huge 4,600. Uh, it's a playground for 4,600 up squared, so go for it. What's the, the OPEX cost on that? That's a cheap neighborhood. That's only a hundred. So it's 462,000 OPEX. Yeah. We need to put a call out to Dizzy to close that out. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one's how much? You said it's an FSA. The other one's an FSA and uh, I lost it. I don't oh, know wow, where it went. Yeah. Oh, wait, here we go. Here we go. That one's 157. So it's 15.7 K nine post F. Okay, and the other one's 570 West 214th Street. Yeah. and Way up there at the north end That's a pretty cool-looking property, actually. Yeah, it's kind of neat. I still don't have enough 
Upex to buy it. But if I did, you know, there goes Brooklyn. So somebody else go for it. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to, but I might. Okay. That's a neat looking property. Okay, so two unminted left in Inwood. We have 10 unminted left in Washington Heights. And then some of the more popular neighborhoods in the south there. So Midtown South, there's 101 left, which I believe Midtown sold out since we last talked about it. I believe Midtown East is getting there, but still has some to go. Midtown South has is, is about to be under 100 left. Um, my favorite, Tribeca, has... Not my favorite. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What do you Little mean Italy. not your favorite? Well, well yeah, okay. Outside of Little Italy. <laughs> yeah. Man, if it weren't for Little Italy, the only thing you'd be talking about is Tribeca. Yeah, I am very bullish on Tribeca. I feel like I'm going to probably grab a couple more just to be safe before collection reveal. You're either going to be the man or in big trouble. Yeah, I'll be changing my name. I told the community that I feel confident about it being a collection. It's it's a very popular and you know well-known Manhattan neighborhood. Yeah, for sure it is. I think you've got a really high chance of being right. And then there's 122 of those left. And if I'm not mistaken, the the to get in there, you're going to have to drop like 60,000 upics just to get a parcel. That's true. Yep. Which is not cheap, but if it pays off and it is an exclusive or better, a rare, it will be much, much more expensive to get in unminted since the for our listeners who might not know this manhattan is still in vanilla and so when collections are revealed the collection multiplier on on the mint price will be applied and for example if it's an exclusive and you're looking at the property right now and it says 84 hudson street 128,000 upics Oof. But then they go and announce it as an exclusive collection. That'll be 128,000 times three. And if it's a rare by chance, it'll be 128,000 times 11. And at that point would likely be out of reach for most, most players yeah. out there. And so the, the cool thing about <coughs> Manhattan being released in vanilla is you will be able to get in to these neighborhoods at these lower price points because of, you know, just the early, the first mover advantage, the early adopter advantage. Right. And All right. what else do we got? Hamilton Heights sold out. I did not know that. Did you know that? I did not know that. That uh, for people who are from Manhattan, my understanding is that's considered part of Harlem uh, the greater Harlem area. So it's so for some reason, Upland broke down West Harlem into three or four separate neighborhoods. And it's not at all called Harlem, even though there are several businesses throughout there called Harlem. So I think that may have a good part to do with it. Sugar Hill, Hamilton Heights, Manhattanville uh, are all considered part of Harlem and probably a couple others I don't know of. 
So yeah, Hamilton Heights being sold out, I guess, doesn't surprise me too much. Not only that, that was a pretty cheap neighborhood, right? Wasn't that like yeah, 100? it was. And I'm looking, I have literally one property there. I, I didn't realize I was so sparse in one of the cheaper neighborhoods. I, I feel like it's because it was north. Yeah, it's a little higher. Right? It's only, but it's still only 120 uh, upex per up squared. So it's yeah, super cheap neighborhood for uh, for New York, for Manhattan. Right. Oh man, we're going long here. We got to speed this up a little bit. I just okay. real, I scrolled down and I just realized we hadn't talked about Fresno at all. And so yeah, we can skip Fresno. <laughs> uh, Fresno still exists. It's still yep. sold out. It's still hard to get unminted properties. But if you are paying attention at the top of every hour, you will see if you're lucky uh those expired visas that we were talking about and they do still pop up in woodward park which is a collection and some of the other you know coveted neighborhoods like central fresno and uh, i don't think i've seen a calwa um or no any other collection neighborhoods that i can recall but they do still release uh, i don't think an hour has gone by yet where i haven't seen one uh, right. pop up and so yeah, it is possible to still buy unminted in fresno uh the floor there skyrocketed um it, since we last talked about it i i don't remember what the floor was but i'm certain it was under two thousand, and it's about to eclipse three grand uh it's sitting at 2748 right. when i did my notes here so that's a lot of upics for a Fresno property. In my it's opinion. pushing up quite a bit. And I think the reason it's doing that is not only because it's sold out, but sitting in the shadow of San Francisco, there's a lot of room for second hand sales uh, to, to push up prices still within a comfortable range. Right. And we know that uh, Fresno will follow San Francisco as the Genesis city in, in terms right. of like we're, we're able to build there and, and property development and the business beta is rolling out. So there, there are still a lot of, of, of perks of owning in, in Fresno. Right. And that's likely why there were still 5,300 secondary market sales in the last week alone. The average sale price, which is going to shock you, it's certainly shocking me, was 5,300 upics. 5,300 upics. That's nuts, man. That's San Francisco prices like when I started. Yeah, no joke. And honestly, not not even. No, it was San Francisco was less than that when I started. This is like San Francisco prices in like Christmas time. So not <laughs> very long ago at all. Yeah. Fresno has shot up that high. And the median is right at 3,000. And the mode, again, the number that was most liked by the buyers was 2,500 even. So if you can still make a profit in Fresno selling at 2,500. You'll probably sell really quickly. I mean, I, I know this for a fact because before I even started the notes for the podcast tonight, I went and listed about half a dozen properties. And one of them was a tower district that okay. listed for 24,500 up. Wow. Which was, and it's sold, dude. Like I couldn't, I can't believe how, absolutely hot the upland market is um i was 27 
hundred shy from a benchmark and, and just my liquidity. So I listed uh-huh. something at, you know, what would it give me exactly 2,700 upigs and, you know, minutes later it's sold and it's not like I'm <laughs> listing them under mint or, or anything that was a decent profit for the yeah. property that I listed. And yeah, man, it sold. And if you look at the top five sales in the last week, uh, Sanika, who we had on the show last week, who brought right. bought the uh, Grand Central Station, has two of the top five, with the largest purchase being a Blackstone Ave. Now, for our listeners, our, our loyal listeners, you'll remember that we talked about this, the like kind of hidden scarcity behind Blackstone Ave, and it mm-hmm. being only a limited collection, but yet it being more scarce than I, I believe olive right yeah sounds right yeah yeah and maybe lowell also i forget but there aren't very many blackstone ave properties and sanika went and bought a you know three hundred and sixteen thousand upix property off of landman six who minted it for about sixty four thousand upix uh so that's about a five x markup which isn't that's not bad it's not it's not terrible at all yeah because like i said the hidden scarcity of blackstone makes that one not a terrible buy in my opinion i i tend to to value collection properties no higher than the multiplier that it pays sure and i don't think that blackstone is over 2x i could be wrong though i I would doubt it and so that, you know, that's how I look at valuing them. But I, I might have to throw all of that out and it, admit I it's know nothing a, about the upland secondary market nowadays. Yeah, right. Blackstone's a 1.85. Okay. Yeah, so close. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the second highs was 250,000 upics. I don't understand this one at all. It's 127 South Fine Ave, Pasadena... I, I can't pronounce Pasadena that. LLC. Yeah. Bought off Franklin 69. Uh, Franklin minted it for 7,500 and sold it for 250,000 upics. I don't, I don't understand that at all. Uh, maybe that's again, maybe there's something going on there. Like you said, referral bonus or something. Cause it's a non collection property that was bought at 3,300% over mint. So maybe that was a Fresno burner, which to be honest with you, that's going to be an extinct term. The Fresno properties have hit a a point where they're no longer burners, right? Yeah, it's true. I wouldn't consider throwing $3 away. And so it's not like it was before where you can get properties for five, six, 700 upics and use them in a utility fashion. Sure. Um, our top three, our top five round out in the last three, uh, Sanika comes in again with the third highest bought off then 68, another collection property, Woodward park for about 200 K and then Skippy 3773 bought a Fulton street, which is a rare, that's a pretty good property for 164,000 upics off you Luger who 
is a pretty awesome newer, not new, but newer member of the community. Yeah. Uh, and that Fulton street actually doubled as a tower district collection property. So that's, that's not terrible nice. either. That was a five X. And then uh, our buddy TM sold S- Sab geo, a property on Thielman Ave 471 South Thielman Ave for about 160 K. I want to say that's like a Kawa, but is it? I'd have to look. That's possible. I'm checking it out right now. I mean, that would go along with TM. No, it's an Edison. Yeah. So it's it's not even a collection prop. Yeah. So some weird stuff going on there. I mean, I, TM. But it's not I, small either. It's 1300 up square. Right. I feel like the TM one was just him listing high and that player buying a large parcel. Yeah. Cool. At 11x, and then the other one is a huge question mark. But yeah, the the Fresno market is, you know, it's certainly not sleeping. It's been pretty, pretty hot these last weeks, with you know nothing being able to be purchased in Brooklyn or not much being able to be purchased in Brooklyn. Yeah, for sure. And you know what you were saying too. I was. I, you know what they're going to do with the San Francisco market coming up. I was worried that adding another city would uh, dilute Fresno, but I think at this point it kind of would make sense to add another city to the San Francisco market because again, it's going to all be tied to San Francisco with the development stuff. And it may even create some healthy business uh, partnerships or or business competition uh, within that market. So if we had San Francisco and Fresno and Modesto, perhaps, uh, that might make some sense, but we're not going to speculate this episode. I'm just throwing that out there because I thought of it. Right. That might also help regulate prices in Fresno to some point. And you know what? Since it's the only city that we didn't mention what the floor is, we might as well go ahead and throw it out there. Yeah, uh, 6,400 Upix is the floor in San Francisco right Man, now. Man, I remember when we were minting properties and trying to flip them for 3K. <laughs> Yeah, man. Them were the good old days. Yeah, man. All right. So for uh, my buddy, Anki Sean, uh, shout out Anki Sean, man. Um, his favorite part of the show is the scouting report. And right on. so here we go. This last week, we saw the, the Discord has hit this level where, like, I used to be able to read everything and keep up and know which channel something was set in there's no i I can't do it at all not even close to to keep up i have to just skim and mark is red um but what i did catch was before the sandbox finale two players lazy luna 678 uh in discord and upland is cyclonics one two three uh hen and snooze 36 had led the Woodward Park charge like pretty much from from the start they were just all in on it and pumping the server and they I believe uh this numerous who was on our our show scouting report last week I believe or the week before um, they opened up a Woodward Park server to to bring everybody together in one spot, and um, just the enthusiasm and the positivity, and I, you know, I could not leave them off 
this report this week because that was just awesome seeing yeah. they've been super active on top of that but all of that is what makes the community so awesome so shout out to lazy yeah, luna sure. and snooze 36 for being awesome upland community members my next one is Ladim, who's a french player Ladim, and uh yeah we've been having fun um he'll he'll talk to me in french in dm and uh, i'll go to to google translate as quick as i can and type out what i want to say back and translate it and uh, throw it back in. Bien. <laughs> yeah he knows i don't speak french but it, it's a, a fun interaction that we have he's an, a, a fairly new player that was able to grab a couple of woodward park uh visa expired properties the other oh, day good. and he's a member of that server that i mentioned earlier in yeah yeah I can tell is a, you know, like many that have come before on this report, just a, a, a super positive, uh, you know, new addition to our community. So shout out to Ledim. Can you say something to him in French? Uh, oui, Ledim. Bonjour, mon frère. Ça va? Bienvenue à Upland. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Merci. Uh, uh, and then the, the uh, <laughs> good, I'm sorry. Yeah, and I got I got a shout out this week too. Oh, so, nice! Uh, I had a player reach out to me in DM. Never heard of them before, but they just seemed to be confident enough to reach out and start asking me some questions. And we went through. Uh, they had gotten put into Fresno, <clears throat> and they were able to buy one single property. And that's it because you know it's so sold out. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they told me what they had in Epic. Said that they wouldn't mind putting some money in the game if they thought that it was going to be worth it. Well, short story long, no, long story short, because we're low on time here. Uh, they did end up putting five bucks in, which was great. Nice. Uh, they flipped, yeah, they flipped a couple of Fresno properties, sold them for 2700 almost immediately. And I got them on a plane to get out to Brooklyn and kind of gave them a breakdown of what to do. But they were already active in the DMs. They're super excited about the game. And get this, even though they just put in their five bucks to become an Uplander today, uh, they've already got a referral. They got a friend of theirs into the game too. Nice. So, yeah, everything I was giving him, he was feeding off to his friend. And so we look forward to seeing Doja and his buddy or her buddy or their buddy uh, in Brooklyn, Mitten Away. And, uh, awesome, man. Welcome, guys. Awesome, awesome. I'm gonna look them up right now. All right, uh, B-Dag, what else do you have for our audience before we send it back to Too Stupid? Yeah, I don't got nothing. Just good luck in Brooklyn, man. You're going to need it. Yeah, I hope that uh, you guys are listening to this before Brooklyn releases so that I can wish you all of the luck. And uh, I hope you guys all get the properties that you want. And I hope you're able to flip the... You know what I noticed and just really quickly, like how they're releasing the collections from lowest to highest? Yep. Like that's going to give a lot of people an opportunity to get the rare collections i think if they I hope if so. they play their cards right and and they you know grab some of the limited and flip those and then grab some of the exclusives and then flip those that should be enough for them to mint you know uh some of the rares either the dumbo or the bay parkway and my advice would yeah, be I hope so. to not flip those if that's the case if you had to 
put all that work in to be able to get there, I would hold those for a little while. I, feel I like agree. We're going to have uh, some great value. I agree. And, all right. Bon chance. And on that note, I'm going to send it back to you too, stupid. Thank you guys. Hey, great episode, guys. Thank you so much. Always appreciate the time and effort you put into it each and every week. These guys record late, late at night, Sunday going into Monday. Well, yeah, late at night for both of them. So either way, definitely appreciate the dedication each week, the time, the effort you put into the podcast. You put together a really great episode each and every week. To our listeners, make sure that you're subscribing, rating, leaving a review on iTunes or Apple, whatever you want to call that nowadays, uh, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're leaving a review there. More and more are you doing that. We do appreciate that. Share that. Follow us on Twitter. And uh, as always, everybody be safe. And we'll come at you later this week with myself and Thank Me Later. And I don't know what we're talking about yet, but it will definitely be exciting and you won't want to miss it. It's the Opix Podcast, baby. Glad you tuned in. Got your host, thank me later, and you're stupid to win. Might become an obsession as soon as you begin. Start out king of the street, then lock it iconic in. Welcome to Offland. Grab your Opix, man. On your way in the door, hit you with four grand. Get to buying and gripping, then to selling and flipping. Over to moving and shocking. I'm Scrooge McDuck.